Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online as well. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. Because I believe this is one of the best things that we can do to kick off a new year by, by getting in God's word, by worshiping together with God's people. How many of you have missed this? Has anybody missed? Yeah, like I've missed it. I've missed hearing your voices. I've missed singing and gathering together. And I just love a new year. How many of you love a new year? I love a new year. I believe start gives us a, a clean slate. It's an opportunity to reflect perhaps on, on God's faithfulness in 2020. How many of you are like, I ain't reflecting on nothing in 2020? I just want to wake up from this bad dream, but a new year, and, and as tough as it has been, um, in many ways it will continue to be. If nothing else, 2020 has taught you some things, has it not? It has taught you maybe some resilience, Maybe it's taught you a little bit of, of patience, a little bit of flexibility. I'm sure of that one. Adaptability, perhaps. Colby, how can you say that? This has been the year from hell. Well, you're here, aren't you? You're listening to this message. Can I tell you something? You are stronger than you think you are. You have more in you. And even if you're not, perhaps you have relied on God's strength in you this last year like never before. And many of you could testify that you are stronger and closer to God today and closer to your family today than when you were this time last year. Amen? Because of what God has done even in a year like 2020. And perhaps what a year like 2020 does is bring greater resolve in you to make things different this year. Greater resolve to, to change some things. Greater resolve to, to prepare. Maybe a greater resolve to, to forgive some past offenses. Maybe a greater resolve to, to forge ahead into a new season like you never have before. Maybe to make good on some promises that you have made. I truly believe this could be your greatest year yet. But here's what I know. Whether or not this is your, your greatest year of your life is, yes, influenced by outside forces, but mainly it's influenced by you. It is determined by your attitude. It is determined by your approach to this new year. It's determined by your fortitude, by your stamina, because your life is framed by your frame of mind. Did you know that? And if you approach this year with a, a negative frame of mind, then that's what your year is going to, to look like. Because your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thoughts, your most, most dominant thinking. But if you can believe that this will be the best year of your life, then you can receive that. How many of you believe that this year? Looking forward to God doing some amazing things in your life. Now, what I did not say was that it would be the easiest year. I think sometimes we hear this will be the best year, this will be the greatest year of your life, and we, we kind of equate that to, well, it's gonna be so easy. Things are going to go my way, right? Everything's going to happen for me. It's going to be smooth sailing. The greatest year means the easiest year. But if you've ever been a part of anything great or built anything great, how many of you know it ain't easy? I did not say easy. 2021 is not going to be easy. January 1st, uh, 2021 is not a magical date. Just because the calendar flipped over does not mean all of a sudden you're going to have peace and calm in your life. All of a sudden, you're going to have joy in your life and happiness in your life. Uh, if that's what you think, that's kind of like thinking you'll be okay after a tornado. No, you have some cleanup to do. You have some rebuilding 
perhaps that you need to do in this, this new season. I feel that way about the church. There's some rebuilding that we have to do, but what a new year brings to us is a fresh approach to a new normal. This new season that God has in front of us. So great, it doesn't mean easy. But if it's gonna be the greatest year of your life, it's gonna require a couple things from you. One is that you look forward and not backwards. How many of you know a lot of people live their life looking in the rearview mirror, looking at things that have been uh, behind them instead of all the things that God has in front of them? You cannot move forward if you're constantly looking backward. And the other thing is you can't move forward if you're gonna carry the past into this new year. A lot of people carry hurt and carry offense and carry things that have happened in their past, maybe five years ago from one year to the next to the next. That someone did something to you, they broke your trust, you're angry with them and you've already carried that into 2021. Can I tell you something? If you're gonna put yourself in a position for this to even have the chance at being the greatest year of your life, it will be because you learn to look forward and to let some things go. You gotta let some things go because what you won't wait, lay down will keep you bound. It will keep you in bondage. It will keep you hostage. Is that not the life of a follower of Jesus, by the way? That we are constantly to, to surrender our lives daily to following Jesus and that we're constantly to fix our eyes and follow him? You gotta, you gotta look forward and let some things go. So let me say this. If you like the results of 2020, by all means, keep doing what you've been doing. Keep going. But if there are some things that you didn't like about this last year, if you're not happy with the results, it's time to make some adjustments, to look forward and to let some things go. That means you can't carry that resentment from last year into this year. You just can't do it. That means you can't carry that, um, that comparison from last year into this year. Comparison is the killer of contentment and joy in your life. It will, it will destroy you. You can't carry that. You've gotta make the determination in your heart to set some things down. Even if you were hurt, I know it hurt. Even if it wasn't fair what happened to you, I know it's not fair. Even if they did something they shouldn't have done to you, I understand that. But if you, if you don't set it down, you become the victim to it. And victims never walk in victory. How many of you know that? And so we gotta set some things down as we head into this new year. Now, I'm not suggesting that you ignore what's happened in your past or that, that you minimize the impact of the pain that's happened in your, your past. In fact, I would submit you can't set down what you refuse to confront. You gotta confront it, you have to, to deal with it, don't ignore it, but by setting it down, you're saying, this pain of my past is not gonna follow me into my future. This pain, this thing that I'm carrying, that's not gonna come with me into the, the, the future that God has for me. So starting today, you make the determination, I'm gonna set some things down. I'm praying that for you this year, that you would lighten your load. In fact, you can jumpstart your diet right here and right now if you will set down some emotional baggage. You can feel 50 pounds lighter walking out these doors. Come on, anybody ready for that? We're gonna set some things down as we head into the new year. Fair warning though, some of us when we think great, we also think grand. And I need you to understand that just uh, because something is great doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be grand. And a lot of times we can miss the great things that are happening in our life because we're looking for the grand thing. Like this year, I'm gonna get the promotion. 
This year I'm going to get the big raise, or this year we're going to finally get the house that we want to, to, to get, or I'm going to see God working greatly in my life in, in big ways, but just because something is great doesn't mean it's grand. Can I tell you something? Your greatness could be in the fact that you're going to be the best student you've ever been, which means this year you're getting B's and C's. That could be greatness for you. That would have been greatness for me. This year, it doesn't have to be grand. Maybe greatness means that you're going to stick in it, you're going to dig your heels, and you're going to stay in your marriage. That might be greatness. It might be great that you're going to be the best stay-at-home mom or best career mom that you've ever been in your life. Please don't confuse great with grand. The greatest decision that you could make this year is maybe the one that says, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I need to get help. I need some counseling, and I need to talk to some people. Just because it's not grand doesn't mean it's not great. And in a world of social media, of likes and, and dislikes, we often associate greatness with our, our platform or greatness with our popularity and how many people are, are following us when it could be the greatest thing that you do, listen to me, is not posted, is not reposted, but the greatest thing that you can do happens in your personal, private prayer life and devotion to God this year. That might be the greatest thing that happens in your life all year long. What God does in and through you in your, your consistency to him. I know that doesn't sound sexy, consistency, but consistency might just be the greatest thing that you do all year. Now, I think some of us never achieve greatness, not only because we live our lives looking backward instead of forward, not only because we refuse to, to let some things go, but because we have the wrong starting place. This is what I want to talk about today. I haven't even started the message. That's coming up. Are you guys ready? <laughs> we don't have the right starting point. Oftentimes we look at, at the mountain or at the big goal, the audacious goal that we want to climb, and we want to, we want to take that step to get to the top without considering the little steps that it takes in order for us to get there. So we set our goal as the peak, but forgetting the small steps that it takes. So in the next few minutes, I want to share with you some thoughts around the idea that greatness doesn't start with the great thing, but it starts with the, the little things, some, some tiny tweaks that'll lead to giant peaks in our life. That just because something is small doesn't mean they're not significant. Just because some of the steps that you need to take this year are small doesn't mean that they won't help you get to that giant peak that you wanna get to. Darren Hardy says this in The Compound Effect, he says, it's not so much that we don't always know what to do, it's that we don't do what we know to do. And the reason we don't do what we know we should do is because they're very small things. And the small things don't feel great. But it's the small things done consistently over time that leads to the great things in your life. And I would say it's not just the small things, it's the right small things done consistently over time that lead to the great things in your, your life. For example, you could do a small thing this year. You could eat one bag of Oreos every day for the rest of the year. One small thing. That's probably not gonna get you to your, your fitness goals, right? By doing that, it's not the right small thing. So you gotta do the right small thing over time consistently that leads to the great things in your life. But the reason why we don't do it is because the small things don't feel good. They don't feel great in the moment. It doesn't feel great to get up and run three miles, does it? 
I mean, some of you are like, yeah, and you're messed up in the head, right? But for me, it doesn't feel great to get up and run three miles. My, my knees are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's happening right now, right? It doesn't feel great in the moment. And so what we do is because it doesn't feel great, we quit. You know, after two days, they're like, man, I ran for two days and I still haven't lost any weight. Of course, it doesn't work that way. You've got to consistently do the right activity over time that leads to great things in your life. So today, you started the year out right. You made the right small choice by, by coming to church. In fact, congratulations, you have perfect attendance in 2021. Some of you are like, I've never had perfect anything. And today you have perfect attendance. That's the right small step. And if you consistently do that over the year, I promise you it will have a great impact in your life. I'm not saying it felt good. I'm not saying it was easy to get up. I'm not saying that some of you didn't want to hit snooze several times, right, and you're on your alarm. I'm not saying there wasn't mass chaos in the car on your way to church. Uh, it doesn't feel good. Some of you are like, my hair wasn't cooperating today, or, you know, I, these pants fit me before Christmas, and now when I tried them on this morning, it doesn't work. It's not always easy. It doesn't always feel good. Baby steps don't always feel good. It doesn't feel good to get on a budget. You're like, this year I'm gonna start an emergency fund because I, I gotta do it. And so you hunker down and after two months, you look at your, your emergency fund account and in the account, you have $75. And you're like, what's the point, right? Because it doesn't always feel good. I get that it can be depressing, but it's those tiny tweaks done consistently over time, even when it's no fun that you don't see immediate results from is what lead to the giant peaks in your life. It's the small things. Often the things that, that nobody sees, often the things that, that don't get you praise or accolades, it's the small things that lead to great results, tiny tweaks to giant peaks. And so I'm going to give you four, four of them, tiny tweaks. Four tiny tweaks that will help you in your spiritual life. I'm, I'm not your fitness coach. Some of you are like, praise God for that. I'm not your uh, financial coach, right? I'm your spiritual coach. And so I want to give you four things that I think will help you in your spiritual life, although they seem small, perhaps, that if you do them consistently over time will have a great impact in your life. And listen, don't walk out of here saying, you know, this year I'm going to do all four of these for the entire year. Don't do that. A lot of times we set these huge audacious goals that we can't live up to. I'm saying for the next 21 days, try this. We're entering into a season of prayer and fasting. You heard Josiah talk about it. There's nothing better that we can do than to set aside the first part of our year. So for the next 21 days, maybe you try to apply these to your, your life. This is a little more bite-sized, 21 days, and then maybe in February, you, 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 you do another 21 days and try to apply these to your, your life. Tiny tweaks get to giant peaks. And we're gonna look at three different characters in the scripture. To get these, the first is a guy named Abraham. When we first meet him, his name is actually Abram, uh, and God changes his name. But in Genesis 12, 12 verse 1 says this. God's having this conversation with him, and he says, The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go. Somebody say go. Go. Go to the land that I'm going to show you. And then he gives him this Abrahamic covenant. These are the, the, the promise from God to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. 
I will make you famous and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Which, by the way, through the line of Abraham came the Messiah. And so it's accurate that, that through Abraham, everyone has been blessed through Jesus, the Messiah. So Abraham, verse 4, departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Tweak number one, write it down. Get a word from the word. Get a word from the word. God's having this conversation with Abraham and he says, leave your country, leave your father, leave your family, leave your, your people. And he says, go. One word, two letters, one word, go. And it's literally a single word, but it's also a word in a broader sense, like a word as in a message from God. That if you do this, if you are obedient in going, then as a result of your going, I'm gonna do some things in your life. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless those who bless you. I'm gonna be, you know, through you, you're gonna be a blessing to the entire world. He says, go, and in your response in going, right, the word that God gave him was, was go. And because Abraham received that word, and not just received it, but obeyed it, the result was God did amazing things in and through his life. Here's the question I want you to write down at the beginning of 2021, what's your word? What's your word? What's the word that God is impressing on your heart for this year? And maybe it's not just one word, maybe it's a phrase, maybe it's a, a theme. What is the, the theme that you believe God is, is going to move in the direction he's gonna move in your, your life, that God is anchoring, one word that God will anchor your life with in this coming year? Because here's what I believe. If you look back over your past years, you could with great accuracy, in hindsight, identify how God moved in your life in the years that have been past. Like you could say that was the year of loss or that was the year of, of pain or that was the year of growth, maybe. 2018, that was the year of growth or that was the year of breakthrough. And while hindsight is great, and that's how generally we, we, we recognize those. Wouldn't you rather have that on the front end? Have a theme, have a word, have an, an anchor that, that will help kind of guide your life in the year ahead. A word that will give direction and definition to your life. So what's your word? One word. Uh, it's a single word. Maybe it's a phrase, a message, or a theme that God has for you this year. Colby, how do I get that? I don't even know, you know what that word is. Well, a great place to start is his word. Get a word through his word. God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through impressions in our, in our heart. God speaks to us through his, his Holy Spirit. And so here's my challenge to you. Sometime today, or sometime this week, or in the next 21 days, if you're praying and fasting and seeking God, ask God for a word. Maybe it's on your commute to work. God, what's my word? What's the theme of my, my life this year? What's the word that I can anchor my family to in this coming year? What's the, the word? The word for me, by the way, last year was resilience. And I had no idea God would use a pandemic to develop resilience in my life. Because I think if God would have told me, your word this year is pandemic, I'd have been like, that ain't my word. <laughs> but that's, it's amazing how he'll use that in your life. My, my word for, for our church and my family this year, by the way, is gains. I believe we're gonna see some great gains in our life 
in this coming year. Gains spiritually, gains emotionally, gains physically. I believe that this year as a church, we are gonna take back some ground that the enemy has taken from us. And I believe that we're gonna take new ground in 2021. Come on, somebody. We're gonna get some gains. And so I'm praying that for you. I'm praying that for your family this coming year. That you would have some gains as a, as a parent. That you'd have some gains in raising up the next generation of world changers for the cause of Christ, that we would see gains in our, our life, gains. Some of you, you don't even know it yet, you're gonna have some gains in your family. You're gonna have some more children in your family. And some of you are like, don't, don't speak that over me, right? <laughs> We're gonna get some gains, gains. But what's the word for you? We're gonna do an entire message series starting next week on gains that I believe God has for us this year. But what's the word? that will give definition and direction to 2021. And again, don't wait till the end of the year and go, oh, I think that was my word. No, like from the start, what is God saying over your life? Tweak number one, get a word from the word. Tweak number two, do the next right thing. I learned this from Anna and also from Joshua. Is it Anna or Anna? Anna, okay, Anna. Genesis 39 we encounter a guy named Joseph. Sorry, not Joshua, Joseph. And Joseph has a dream. He has a vision. He has a theme that God has given him a word for his, his life. The problem was it takes a long time for this dream to be fulfilled. How many of you know? God doesn't always work according to your timetable. It took a long time for this dream to come to fruition in Joshua's, uh, Joseph's life. And Joseph faces these unbelievable challenges to get there. He gets tested, God prepares him for a, a position of great leadership. He ultimately becomes like the second in charge, the, basically the prime minister of Egypt. And if you know the story, he has a dream that his family, including his brothers, are all bowing down to him. And his brothers aren't real pumped about that dream, as you can imagine. And so they throw him in a pit, they sell him to some traders. He ends up in a guy named Potiphar's house who happens to be the head of Pharaoh's security. And while he's in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife tries to slide in on Joseph sexually, tries to sleep with him. So let's pick up that story there, might as well. Genesis 39, verse 10 says, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. He's like, I'm not even gonna get around you. And one day, however, no one else was around. When he went in to do his work, verse 12, she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but, his le but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Somebody shout choices. Choices. Listen, Joseph could have slept with her. He could have. He could have made that choice. No one was around. No one was in the house. No one had to know. But in the moment, what did he do? He did the next right thing. And he ran out of the house butt naked. And don't miss this. It was also the fact that he did the next right thing that landed him in prison. And I say that because I don't want you to get confused that just because you, you make the next right choice or you do the, the next right thing, it's always gonna end up with a pat on your back because it's not. Like, like sometimes doing the next right thing in other people's eyes is the wrong thing. And so you need to know that. I, I wish I could tell you that every decision that you make of integrity or every decision that you make when no one is looking 
is going to end up with applauds and accolades, but I need to remind you that you only exist to please one after all. Not everyone, but one, and that is God himself. And God will honor what you do in secret. But he did the next right thing. And because of that, he ended up thrown in jail. And he, not just any jail, it was Pharaoh's jail. And he happened to be in, in jail with Pharaoh's baker and Pharaoh's cupbearer. And in prison, uh, he had an opportunity to interpret the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker because Joseph was a dreamer. And so he could interpret their dreams. Listen, God will use the same thing that he put in your heart. The same thing he's given you a purpose and a calling and a vision for, that same thing that maybe rubbed people the wrong way that like his brothers did that put you in bondage. He can use that same thing to set you free. Did you know that? That's what he's doing with Joseph. The same thing. If it's from God, if it's uh, God's plan for your life and his calling, the very thing that removed you from the group of friends that you used to be in that caused them to turn their back on you, that very thing could be the thing that raises you up to a new position. Because years later, when Pharaoh had a dream, it required an interpretation. And the cupbearer remembered that while in prison, he was there with Joseph, and Joseph interpreted his dream. So they pull him out, they put him before Pharaoh, he interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh says, I've never met anyone in the land on whom the Spirit of God rests like you. And so I'm gonna make you in charge of everything in my kingdom. Why? Because Joseph did the next right thing. He made a good choice. He ran from a sexual encounter with a woman that no one would have known about or had to know about. And because he made the right choice in a small thing, he ended up being prime minister of the entire nation of Israel, saving the entire nation from starvation, including his own family. One small choice, a tiny tweak that led to giant peaks in his life. Here's the question I want you to write down. What's one small choice that you can make? This year, that'll lead to great things in your life. I just won. What's the, the right thing? I'm sure it didn't feel good at the time for Joseph to be thrown in jail. In fact, that's why we don't do the next right thing, because in the moment, it doesn't always feel good. But remember, it's the small choices done consistently over time that lead to great things in our life. Hey, maybe your next right choice is to surrender your life to Jesus to stop doing this on your own because it's not working anyway, but to give your life over to Christ. Maybe your next right decision is to go all in all year long, to join a serve team, to get into a small group, to, to go through crash course, to, to move from consumer to contributor, to be a part, to get in, involved in the community, to be a part of this, this church. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm telling you, it's one small choice that's done consistently over time will have tremendous impact in your life. And this will be the best year of your life that you've ever had if you determine to make the right small choices and to do the next right is part of the song. Tweak number three. In fact, I don't wanna give it to you yet because do the next right thing means not just to have good intentions. Good intentions won't get it done. Actions will get it done. You gotta do the next right thing. The, two, the last two I wanna give you are from one of my favorite people in the Bible. His name is Caleb. Caleb was one of the 12 spies 
that Moses sent in to survey the promised land, the promised land that God was giving the nation of Israel. Uh, if you're kind of new to the Bible, uh, the Bible is kind of broken up into two different parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is roughly the, the first half or so of the Bible, recording um, creation of the universe, the fall of man, God setting his chosen people uh, apart, God rescuing his chosen people out of slavery from Egypt um, through you know, uh, an evil Pharaoh, uh, God setting up a sacrificial system of worship, God establishing what worship looks like. And because we're human, we fall time and time again. So God constantly trying to bring and restore his people back to him over and over and we can't do it. So God prophesies that a Messiah is going to come one day to be our once and for all final sacrifice that's gonna pay for our sins. That's Jesus and that's the New Testament where it begins. Jesus comes to this, this earth, that's Christmas, right? Emmanuel, God with us to pay for the sins of the world. That's Good Friday, his sacrifice on the cross. He he conquers sin and death. He kicks Satan in the mouth. That's Easter, right? He gets re resurrected on the third day, comes back to life, sets up what it looks like for us to follow him, gives us the Holy Spirit. That's Pentecost, meaning that God's law is not written on tablets. Now it's written in our heart. Gives us the power to live a righteous life. Gives us gifts for leading the church and, and using the church as a vehicle. That's the book of Acts, by the way, to like uh, reach people for the, the kingdom of God. And then look, tells us how to be a disciple. Tells us how to love one another. And then ultimately in the end, we win. Like we have victory in Christ. That's the whole Bible. You don't have to read it this year now, okay? Like, that's the book, that we have victory. But C Caleb, that's where I was. Caleb, one of my favorite guys in the Bible, was one of the 12 spies that went into the promised land that, that was, was doing a reconnaissance mission, and they come back, and 10 of the spies say, we can't do it. And the Bible tells us that those 10 spies spread fear into the hearts of the entire nation. And because they said we can't do it, they didn't go in. It was only Joshua and Caleb that said, hey, we got this. God promised it to us. Promised ED, past tense, means it's already ours. But they didn't go in. And so an entire generation died off in the desert except for Joshua and Caleb who got to go into the promised land. And they died off, by the way, because fear overpowered faith, which is a word for somebody this year in 2021. You can't listen to... You have to choose who you're gonna listen to and believe in in this year. You have to choose. And just because it's the majority doesn't make it right. You can't let fear dictate the direction of your, your life. You'll decide, will you live in fear? Or am I gonna move forward in faith in this coming year? But Joshua and Caleb, they had faith. They led the nation of Israel into the promised land. Was it hard? Of course it was. Was there battles that they had to fight? Of course there were, right? But because God promised it, they believed it. And so they go into the promised land, walk around Jericho, the walls come tumbling down, they learned a tough lesson at the battle of Ai, eventually overcame that battle, but this, where I wanna pick this up, is after all that. In Joshua 14, verse six, it says, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, I think that's how you say it, the Kenizzite said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses. So now he's talking about some 40 years ago when they first went into the promised land. The Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old, don't miss that. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. So Caleb's 40 years old 
when he and Joshua were spies into the promised land with the other 10. And he says, I brought back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me, the other 10, made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, this land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Now then, so again, this is Caleb saying this to Joshua. Just as the Lord has promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, check it out, 85 years old. And I am as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Come on, he's like, I'm 85 and I still got it, right? I'm 85, you don't even wanna mess with me. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. I love that, that's so good. 85 years old, Caleb is saying, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to fight. Two last tweaks out of that. First of all, he's 85 now. This is 45 years earlier. God made this promise to him through Moses, saying, I'm gonna give you everywhere your foot lands. Everywhere you place your foot, like that's going to be your inheritance for your children. So Caleb comes up to Joshua and says, hey, it's time. Like, I'm ready. Like, it's been 45 years. You know, I, I'm, I want that promise fulfilled. Tweak number three, write it down. Clarity of calling. Clarity of calling. Clarity may seem like a little thing, but clarity is what sparks the, the greatness in your, your life. Caleb had clarity in his calling. He knew exactly, he had his eyes fixed and focused on what God had called him to do and what God had promised him. Caleb could have come up to Joshua and said, hey, you know, I'm sick of all this wandering around in the desert. I'm sick of being here with all these, these whiners, right? All these, these church people, because that's who they were. A bunch of whiners in the desert. Remember when we didn't have food and we had to eat manna every single day? It's like, what's for breakfast? Manna. What's for lunch? Manna. What's for dinner? Manna, right? Remember, you know, we were here 40 years ago, 45 years ago. And we could have gone in then. But because of a bunch of scared diaper babies, you know, we had to stay in the wilderness and wander some more. He could have complained. And he would have had the right to do so. But don't miss this. He chose not to focus on the problem. He chose to focus on the promise. He had clarity in his calling. If you do nothing else this year, it will change your life if you have clarity in what God's called you to do. Clarity in his purpose and the promise that he's given you in your, your life. He said, God kept me alive for 45 years so that I could see this promise fulfilled. That my children would inherit this land that my feet have stepped on. Clarity of calling. Some people choose to focus on the bad things. To focus their energy on all the negative stuff, to focus their energy on what might have been, or why did it go this way, or why did this have to happen? Listen, when you don't have focus, when you don't have clarity of, of calling, you will get tossed and turned by every crashing wave. You will get tossed by every storm. You'll wanna quit things when, when the going gets tough. 
everything is negative all the time. You only see problems. In fact, that's a phrase that's common to you. You say, well, the problem with that is. But you have to have clarity of calling. When you don't, you're shifty, you're unstable. You're pulled in all these different directions. You don't know what you should start. You don't know what you should stop. You don't know what you should learn. You don't know who you should learn from. Clarity of calling gives you that. And Caleb could have said a whole bunch of stuff. Man, 45 years have been waiting on this, this promise. Are you kidding me? Some of you can't wait five minutes on coffee without getting frustrated. But he had clarity in his calling so he could keep his eyes focused. And you have a choice this year. Will you be clear on the calling? Will you focus on the good things of God, on the, the goodness of God, the grace of God in your, your life? Or you can continue to focus on the past. You can continue to focus on the negative. Either way, here's what I can promise you. You will get what you focus on. You follow your focus. That's the direction that your life goes. And I know some people are like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a homeowner, homeowner now. It's a lot of work. Well, at least you have a home. Right, or, or yeah, but I have to go to work now and I have the bills to pay. Well, at least you have a job. It all depends on what your focus is. It's clarity of calling. There's your question right there. Write it down. What's your calling? If you don't know, ask God in the next 21 days. Pray and fast. Like, what is my, my calling? Clarity of calling. Clarity of calling. Here's the last tweet. The last tweet is this. Get your fight back. I have the band come on out and help me close this. I love that Caleb, he's 85 years old, and he goes to Joshua and he says, I am just as strong today as I, as I was then, as when we first came into this, this land, as the day Moses sent me. And then he says this, now give me this hill country. Another translation, I think it's the new King James, it says this, give me my mountain." Love that. 85-year-old man. Give me my mountain. He says, I'm just as strong. I'm just as vigorous. I feel just as good today. I know it's going to be a fight, but give me my mountain. Now, I don't know if in reality Caleb had just as much fight at 85 as he had at 40. But here's what you can't argue he still had fight, did he not? He still had fight. And I say that because here's what I think has happened in 2020. Some of you have lost your fight. You've lost your fight. Because of events, because of the unknown, because of all the things that have happened in our world and in our nation, you've lost your fight. You've stopped fighting for your family. You've stopped fighting for your marriages, perhaps. Maybe instead of fighting for your spouse, you've started fighting with your spouse. You've started fighting with your children. You've, you've stopped fighting for your faith. Not, not necessarily you because you're, you're in the room or you're watching online, but listen to this. A Barna study said this. 20% of practicing Christians... 20% of those of you that would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've given my heart to him. I'm gonna follow him with my life. I'm gonna take up my cross and follow him daily. 20% of practicing Christians, right? Those, those who would attend church regularly, 
have not been to church since the pandemic started nearly a year ago. Well, duh, Colby, there's a pandemic. My parents are, are elderly, right? Or my job requires that I, I can't go, or I can't do this or that. Hang on, hang on. I haven't even finished yet. 20% of practicing Christians have not been to church in person or online. That's up from 0%. Because there was never a foundation laid for that. 20% of people who said they're followers of Jesus, you stop fighting for your faith. And that's not you in the room because you're here. But maybe you just came because it's a new year. And I just need to tell you, if you're going to fight for anything, like don't stop fighting for your faith. Don't stop fighting for your, your families. Don't stop fighting for your, your marriages. Don't take whatever fight that you have, have left. Because 20% of, of practicing Christians not, not attending in person or online, with all due respect, that's garbage, in my opinion. That's garbage. If you say this is important to you, if you've given your life to follow him, don't stop fighting. Maybe you don't have the same amount of fight that you had last year. Maybe you don't have the same amount of fight that you had 10 years ago. But I would say take whatever fight that you have left and you look at that mountain and say, you know what? If God's promised me this, if God is going to be faithful in my life and he's promised me that mountain, then I'm going to take my mountain. Are you with me? I'm going to take my mountain. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 85 years old. Whatever this season has for you in 2021, you stare it down and you say, give me my mountain. God has promised this to me. I will not stop fighting. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray over you. And as you're standing up, I'll ask our prayer team to come forward because if you'd like someone to pray with you, as soon as we close, we're gonna have people down front that would love an opportunity to pray with you and to intercede with you. God, I pray right now that you would move in our hearts in a mighty way. That you allow these, these small tweaks in our life to happen consistently over time that would lead to, to giant peaks. God, that we would get a word for this year. We get a word from your word that you would speak to our heart clearly, maybe more than we've ever heard your voice before in this coming year because we desperately we need it. God, I pray that this year we would get our fight back. For those of us that have lost our fight, that we would look at the mountains that we have in front of us and we would get our fight back and say, give me my mountain. God, I pray that this year, these people right here in this room and watching online, God, that we would have clarity in our calling in Jesus' name. That we would have a clear focus on the purpose and the plans that you have for our life. And if we don't, God, we surrender and we submit to, to searching that out over the next 21 days, asking God, what do you want to do in and through my life? God, I pray right now for those that are maybe here today and are far from you, that they've given up hope that today would be a day that you would draw them back to you. God, that you would move in their life, that you would convict them of the fact that apart from you, God, we are, are sinners needing a Savior. And so in Jesus' name we ask 
that you would right now do what you do and draw people to you. God, we pray for this coming year, that it would be the greatest year that we have, not because it's hype, but because we believe that you do have good plans for our life and a good purpose. We ask that we would see great gains and take back some ground, God, and take new ground that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna dismiss you right now, but here's what I'll say. If you are watching online or you in this room today, you would love to know what does it look like to start a relationship with Jesus. Our prayer team down front, they would love to help you take that next step. They'd love to pray for you and explain to you what that means. Or right now you can click the button online that I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. Or if you need prayer, you can let someone online know as well. I can't wait to see, church, what God has for us in this coming year. God bless you. We'll see you back here next weekend. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.